Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. Today, we're going to be exploring motherhood after infertility and loss. This is a topic that I really hold near and dear to my heart. Today, I'm joined by Alex Cornsweet. Alex and her husband were high school sweethearts and always knew that they wanted to have a family, similar to me and my husband. She and I have a lot in common. Alex, unfortunately, her path to motherhood wasn't exactly what she had expected it to be. It was a very long and difficult road. She wrote about it in her book, How to Help Friends and Family Through Infertility, How You Can Offer Support, What to Say, in Understanding Infertility. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. Me too. We we've been friends on Instagram for a really long time, but, yes. we, but we've never like actually met met in person, and so now here we are. So I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm I'm really excited to be talking about this because, like I said, this speaks to me, and I know this speaks to a lot of moms out there as well. So Alex, you had a very long path in your journey to motherhood. Now you are the mother of three. So tell us how you got to where you are today. So I. As you said, it was not a linear journey at all. And so basically when we first started trying, you know, I thought it was going to work out. We pretty quickly found out that IVF was going to be our only option because I have blocked one fully blocked tube. And I felt lucky that we even got that, that answer pretty quickly. And so in 2016, we did our first round of IVF. And again, I think we got very lucky because I got pregnant the first round of IVF and I had my first son in 2017. I was very naive. I think like a lot of people where I thought that if I had embryos and the IVF worked, that it would just continue to work again and again. And it did not. We tried a frozen embryo transfer and multiple transfers got canceled because my lining wouldn't grow, which I had never heard of before. And I think that's a problem for a lot of people. It was just stuck very thin and the doctor was not comfortable with that. Finally, we ended up being able to do a transfer. And unfortunately, the first one ended in, I mean, they call it a chemical pregnancy. And I can't stand that term, but it was an early miscarriage. And for me, it was a very huge loss. And I just did not think that that would happen with tested embryos, IVF, everything. And so we had our first loss in 2018. And then I actually changed doctors at that point because I was just kind of ready to move forward. And then we tried again and we had a failed transfer. And then I had to wait a while while my body kind of got ready. And at that point, the doctor suggested surrogacy, which I was not expecting at all, but we wanted to try again. So we ended up having, we tried one more round while we looked into surrogacy because we thought, okay, I'm going to try one more time on my body. But I also know that me personally, I need a backup plan to my backup plan. You know, I need a plan XYZ. So we ended up talking to agencies, getting things in order just in case. And I don't think it was negative thinking. I think for us, it was realistic. And then I did get pregnant. And then I had what they call a missed miscarriage, 
where they didn't notice until like eight weeks, nine weeks when there was just nothing there anymore. And it was just awful because <laughs> we thought it was finally okay. And so at that point, I mean, literally the day it happened, we were like, okay, we need to do surrogacy. And it, for us, surrogacy can take a while to match. So we were like, I'm going to sign up for the agency and then give that time and put that on the back burner and then give us time to heal and grieve what's going on. And for me, it took my body like months to heal from that miscarriage. And so, and I ended up, you know, needing a surgery and needing another one. So it was like, it just was a very long road. So we actually matched really quickly with our surrogate. And so we moved forward with that. And that just went much smoother than we expected. Her first transfer also didn't work. And at that point, we were like, if it doesn't work with her, how is this ever going to happen? And so I, you know, I thought it was not that I thought it was guaranteed, but you think, okay, her body's made for this. Like, how can this not work for her? And I think it was just kind of like, okay, it doesn't always work. But then we luckily got to try again with her. And it was actually the week that everything shut down for the pandemic. I had to beg my fertility clinic to let her continue because they said, oh, we'll let, we'll let, we would have let you continue if you were the one that was getting pregnant, but it's not your body, it's a surrogate. So we have to cancel it. And I said, well, that's discriminating. Yeah. You have to let me continue. And they agreed. So they let her continue. She got pregnant and we had our second baby in at the end of 2020. So we were extremely, extremely obviously happy. Finally, we had our second. And so at that point, we just accepted that we were done having children. And then when he was four months old, I found out I was pregnant myself, which was very shocking because I didn't think I could get pregnant on my own or stay pregnant. And as many people know, after they've dealt with recurrent loss, I ended up at a fertility clinic again and saw, you know, all the hormones, multiple checks a week, all of that to make sure he stayed in there and stayed good. But luckily he did. And in January, we had our third son. And so now I have my three little boys and I just cannot believe that at all. Ah, it's so <laughs> great. Like, it's so amazing to hear that story because I also had a similar path. And and the fact that we're just talking about this now h- helps yeah. me and, and it helps other women know that they're not alone in this very crazy path to motherhood. So thank you, Alex, for sharing that story. I want to share my story just to give context as well. And so just before I turned 30, my husband and I were like, okay, we want to start trying to have kids. We we were also high school sweethearts. We were married Mm -hmm. at 26, but we didn't want to have kids right away. So we, you know, we took a few years of being married people before we decided to have kids. And so I think we started trying when we were 29, 28, 29, 29. And I got pregnant right away. And it was amazing. We were like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is working out exactly as you would want it to be. And on my 29th birthday, I had my first doctor's appointment, my first OB appointment, and they did uh, ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And I was like 12 weeks along at that point. And I was just devastated. And it was my birthday. And then I had to go to work that day. And everyone's like, happy birthday, Tara. Happy birthday. And it was like just miserable. I was like just dying inside. Because like I obviously couldn't share that information. Or I I chose not to share that information with anyone. And so that was a really miserable birthday. And then after that, I had to get a DNC to take care of it. And then... My husband and I were devastated. You know, we chose not to tell any family. We chose to 
share it with a few friends, but not, you know, not so many. And we felt really alone. You know, it was very, very alone. And so we had no idea of like why it happened. And so we, the doctor was like, go ahead, just try again. And so we tried again and we got pregnant right away. First time, like that was it. And we we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I got pregnant again. And then that one only lasted maybe like eight weeks or so. And unfortunately it didn't make it. And then Again, we were just just devastated at this point. And we're like, what is going on here? Like we just, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So we waited a little while and got pregnant again. Third time, like a charm, mm-hmm. had sex, got pregnant. That was it. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is it. Third time's a charm. And unfortunately, again, it went like 12 weeks and uh, no heartbeat. And it, I had to get another DNC. That one we know would have been a little girl because with the testing oh. and stuff like that. So we, we knew that it would have yeah. been a little girl. And so we were just, just devastated. And we said, all right, you know, let's take off a year from this madness to get our heads right and figure out like, do we want to look into adopting? You know, are we going to be like a childless couple? We, we didn't know what we wanted to do. At that point, surrogacy didn't even come up really. So this was like 10 years ago. And I feel like 10 years ago, you weren't really hearing or seeing that as much as it you do now. And so that wasn't even like really, you know, in our vocabulary at that point. So we took some time off and then we said, okay, let's try again. We, we feel like we could try again. And then we were having sex and it wasn't working. So then we had unexplained infertility. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. Like before it was like three times tried, three times succeeded. And now trying, 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 nothing. We're like, okay. So then we had to do IUI. And we did three rounds of IUI. And it would have been if the third one didn't succeed, then we were going to have to go into IVF, which was such a crazy concept because it's like we were getting pregnant before. And so they're like, why weren't we? So then we found out that I had polyps and I had my polyps removed. And then after the polyps removed and we did, that's when we did the three IUIs. Then we did the three IUIs and finally, finally... We conceived mm-hmm. Jack and he took and, and he made it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like when you get pregnant after a loss, mm-hmm. it is, oh, what a mind F because like yeah. you're constantly like worried about the, the hormones and like, do I feel sick enough? Like, I feel like I should be feeling sick more, you know, like, cause you're like, am I, am I pregnant? Am I pregnant enough for this to work this time? And so he was born November of 2012, and we were so grateful. And I remember we were in the fertility clinic, and my husband and I said to each other, we really made a promise to each other that if we have just one healthy baby, we'll never ask for anything ever again. I, I won't even try to have another child. I won't. I just want this one, and this is the one that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be it. It's, we're gonna be so happy. And luckily, he was born, and he was healthy, and and that was it. But it took me ten years to be able to talk about this and share this story because we were so blown away by it. And like I said, we had no support. There was no social media where people were talking about this kind of stuff then. Now we could share this, their podcasts, their people talk about it on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. None of that was going on 10 years ago. So we really truly felt like we were on an island. So my question to you, Alex, is like, what advice do you give women that are in that situation? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think personally, like, thank you so much for sharing your story as well. And I think that it's so powerful for people to share, but I also know that not everyone feels comfortable sharing. And I think that's perfectly okay. I think it's a very personal decision. And like you were saying with pregnancy after loss is just so different. Like I have a very unique perspective where I had not experienced loss, even though I got pregnant with IVF with my first, I hadn't had any loss when I was pregnant with him. And so I thought I, I, it was like a blissful, like I didn't know anything. And then my, when I was pregnant with my third, I didn't trust my body at all. And so I just felt like, I don't think I really enjoyed the pregnancy very much. I was just really nervous the whole time. But I think that in general, there, I also thought that there was a point where, well, we got lucky with our first one before him. I didn't think we'd have one. And then when we had him, because it, that worked out well, I really thought he was going to be an only child for a long time. And that's obviously 100% okay. But I, we were really so deep into trying for a second one that I remember having conversations where like, it's okay if we just have him, but like, we were so deep into it that it just felt really hard to let it go. And for me personally, I think when you get to that point where you don't think you're going to become a mother or when you're really deep into it, I think it's okay to just do like basically do what you need to do for yourself. Talk to your spouse if you have one, figure out, you know, do you want to come up with next plan? Do you want to take a break? Do you want to figure out maybe like how far into it you're going to go? I know financially for people, it's a really big burden as well, but also emotionally. And I think that not everybody, the same path does not work for everyone. And I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and I think this is true with most people, is that when people are in that situation, a lot of people will just say, well, it'll eventually happen. Just stop worrying. Just relax. Just go on vacation. All these really not helpful pieces of advice. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, first of all, don't say that to people. And second, like when people do say that to you, I think it's okay to say, I actually don't know if it's going to happen for me, you know? And I think that just responding to people in that way, I feel like some people can think it comes off as rude, but it's just the truth. And I know for me, like when we were trying for our second and I was just really did not know if it was going to happen or not. A lot of people in our lives, both close and not close would say, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And I finally was like, no, you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Nobody knows if it's going to happen. And it was just one of those things where it was like, they kind of stopped then (laughs) because they realized maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. And I think instead just you know, having people around you that will just say, you know what, this really sucks. I'm really sorry. No one deserves to go through this. I'm here for you no matter what. I think having that support system, whether it's like individuals in your life or finding a support system on social media that really understand where you're coming from and will support you in the right way that works for you, I think is just so important because I think everybody needs support in different ways but you also don't need to be surrounded by people who are telling you to just stay positive when you just are not feeling like that's the right thing for you right then. You know, so I think just yeah, having I would say having a support system that really knows you and knows what you need and you feel comfortable communicating also what is right for you in the moment. And when people understand that that can also change. You know, what I need today for support is not maybe what I'll need tomorrow. 
And maybe today I feel like I want to give up and maybe tomorrow I don't want to give up and I want to keep trying. And also that phrase, give up, like if you do stop trying, you're not giving up. That's not really the right phrase. And so, yeah, I would say figuring out kind of what works for you and also having that support system that can back you up in a really true, meaningful way. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Yeah, I think it's important to like advocate for yourself there at the point. And that's that's what you said. And so you're an advocate for surrogacy. So I want to explore that a little bit. Because as I mentioned, that really wasn't such an option for us 10 years ago. Yeah. Or maybe we just didn't get that brochure. <laughs> or maybe our-, yeah. our, our I literally uh, did get brochures. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like maybe that was a brochure I didn't get. So like, what should women consider if they're looking into it? Yeah. So surrogacy is something that I think is very misunderstood in a lot of ways, but also most people have either like not heard of it or they don't know a lot about it. I think that the reason why we were offered surrogacy as an option, which honestly we didn't even consider at first, you know, nobody thinks they're going to go there, is because we already started our journey with IVF. Most people have to go a really long way like you to get to even maybe IVF, where they try naturally, then they try IUIs, or they try medical cycles. For me, because of my anatomy, I had to go straight to IVF. So I think that's also kind of why I was fast forwarded to IVF. And then because we were doing cycle after cycle of tested embryos and it still wasn't sticking and my body, I have so many infertility diagnoses that I think eventually the doctor was like, this is just probably not going to happen. And I think again, not like that was easier, but I actually felt grateful that we got a solid answer from him and a decision. Like I think when you're talking about unexplained infertility, that's harder because it's really hard to know what to do next or if you're going to do something because there's no reason why it's happening technically. For me, there were like a hundred reasons why it wasn't happening. And so I at least had answers, you know, like my tubes were blocked. My lining was thin. I have PCOS. I have Hashimoto's disease. Like I have, I had recurrent loss. Like I have all of these things and more. And then also I had, I got diagnosed with Asherman syndrome, which is where they're scarring. And then I had to have surgery for that. And so I think because I had so many reasons why I couldn't stay pregnant or get pregnant, that it was easier for the doctor to suggest that. And it was easier for us to accept that. But if you are interested in moving forward with surrogacy, I think that cost is a huge, huge factor for people. Surrogacy is very expensive. It depends where you do it and how you do it. There's, you can go through an agency, which is more expensive, but then there's also, it's a little bit more control than you feel like there's more trust there because they're vetting people. Whereas like if you go down an individual path, that can be kind of scary because unfortunately there are people out there who will scam people. And it happened to a friend of mine on Instagram where they thought they were going to go into it and the woman was collecting money from people and she was never intending to be a surrogate. This happens with adoption too, where people scam people. It's 
it's actually unimaginable to me that people do this. I blow my mind. I like literally didn't even think about it until you just said that. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, hopefully it doesn't happen a lot, but I think unfortunately it does happen. And that's why it's a really scary thing to do something with someone you don't know. However, I do think social media has helped because I think that there are now people that are connecting with surrogates or intended parents, which was me through social media. So they're, you know, they feel like they're a bit vetted more. They see them on there. They can talk to their personal friends and obviously you never know, but I do think people are connecting there. I mean, there's so much to surrogacy. I don't want to take too much time no, on it. No, I want to like, hear it. I want yeah. to hear it. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, first of all, like it totally depends on where you live. I live in California. It's completely legal here. So that means that we can go with an agency. We're allowed to compensate our surrogate. We're allowed to do everything. And also when we're doing it, we file for it while she was pregnant. So when the baby was born, our names were on the birth certificate. And it was a little complicated, like the hospital seemed confused. And they were pulling my husband out of the room, like as she was about to give birth. And I was like, now's not the time. Like, talk <laughs> yeah. to him after, you know? <laughs> and, and I was like, she can't just hold him in there. So please talk to right. him after. <laughs> yeah. But like, luckily they figured it all out. But we had all the paperwork to back it up because we live in a state that supports it. Unfortunately, with that, then there's insurance issues where insurance has created liens so that they will not cover. California, mainly insurance companies won't cover the pregnancy of a surrogate if she's not keeping the baby, which is awful. They like they would like for our surrogate, they covered her pregnancies when they were her children, but they didn't cover her pregnancy when it was our ch- child because they have proof in the hospital that she's not on the birth certificate. So always people taking advantage in some way. That is but, bananas. Yeah. So yeah, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, I would say like, depends where you live, because I know there's a lot of people in Canada that pursue surrogacy, but to do it in Canada, the the surrogate has to do it like altruistically. She cannot be compensated. I think her bills can be covered, but she can't be compensated at all. So that's like a totally different thing too, because I personally strongly believe surrogates should be compensated. Like they're, you know, putting their body and their time and their family, like aside for you know a year basically to have a child for someone else and it is their decision to do it and that's you know they're deciding to help a family and the intended parents wish they didn't need that help but at the same time I still think 100% surrogate should be compensated and so that's where it's really frustrating because it's not legal in a lot of places actually a lot of agencies in California work with people from all over the country and the surrogate will be based in California and then the intended parents will be somewhere else. I also know that some people go like overseas for surrogacy because it's maybe less expensive or there's more options. And I think that in general, like if you're exploring it, it's like, you know, logistically you have to figure out like where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, cost. But then there's a huge emotional aspect where you have to be completely okay eventually, not even, I don't think completely okay is the right word because I don't think you're ever completely okay giving up pretty much every aspect of control because not only because you're already out of control during infertility, you're already out of control, but at least when you end up being the one that's pregnant, you can, you know, you're controlling what you're eating, you're controlling like that kind of things. Whereas like our surrogate was pregnant during the pandemic. So I literally would only see her once in a while outside of the appointment because I would go just to say hi, but we almost never saw each other. 
And so it's, you know, and the thing is like, I've talked to her a lot about it before, during, since, and I did not want to be so overbearing. You know, she had been pregnant before she gave birth to two healthy babies. I trusted her body. I wanted her to do what she knew how to do. Like, I didn't want to tell her what to eat or how to do anything because she knew how to do that. But it's also kind of hard sometimes not to, because it's like, I don't know, you just, I think you let go of a lot of control and you realize kind of what's important. And I think the mindset that I got into is just like, I just, you know, I, he's healthy. That's all that matters. He's healthy. He's on the way. We're going to have him. The other aspect of surrogacy that I did not consider at all until after our son was born is that your mental health as an intended parent is very important. And just because, and I know that sounds crazy that I didn't think of that, but once he was on the way, I just thought, okay, I should just be happy. I shouldn't complain anymore. It should only be like sunshine and rainbows. And it felt, obviously we were very grateful, but it's, there's a lot of complicated emotions associated with not carrying your own child. And I was still really angry that I couldn't carry him, even though I, I wouldn't change anything because he's here. But then I had also dealt with all this loss that I had never really grieved because I just kind of pushed forward into the next cycle, into the next cycle. And then when he was finally born, he was actually born on my birthday. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah in uh 2020 and so he was born on my 32nd birthday um and so that was very special because she was induced and the doctor chose the date and I laughed and she's like what's so funny I was like that's my birthday that's the best yeah but then she asked if I wanted to change it and I was like there's no way I'm having any any say in this the doctor picked that day for a reason we're just Mm -hmm. going with that like I wanted no like I didn't you know how it is with this like you don't want to choose something else and then have something happen and make have any regrets. I was like, listen, yes. he chose this date. This is the date. This is when it's happening. So, but what happened is I, about a month after he was born, you know, early newborn days are hard anyway, but I started having these really intense nightmares that something was going to happen to both of my kids. And I was just, I couldn't sleep even when he started to get a little more sleep. And I was just so anxious all of the time that something bad was going to happen to one of them. I was just so scared and irrationally. So, and I talked, I ended up starting to see a therapist and talking to a therapist and she was like, you're having, you know, postpartum anxiety. And I was like, I didn't know that I could have that because I didn't give birth to him, but it makes sense because there was all this loss and all this grief that I had never processed. And I think with that, one of the biggest issues for me, and this is actually something that I'm trying to figure out a way to, like I have an idea for something in the future that I, I'll talk about later, but basically intended parents do not get a lot of support throughout the surrogacy process because people just expect that they should be happy and get over anything that happened before and just it's happening now. I think as an intended parent, you have to advocate for yourself as you've always done and learn to do. And also get a therapist if you need one, talk to people, find people who will just support you and not like I had people that supported me, but then they'd be like, but how is she doing? Does she, you know, and I was like, she has a lot of support and I was also there for her, but I needed somebody, you know, we needed people for us. And so I think we underestimated that a lot when we went into it. So that's another thing. I think support, again, 
very important, very underestimated. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I think motherhood in general just requires yes. so yes. much support. So like, you know, yes. pre, post, 10 years yes. down the line, all of it together. I think support is is such a, a huge part of motherhood. So what do you think is one of the most important takeaways about motherhood after loss that you would like to share? Yeah. So this for me is that it is okay for motherhood to be hard too. I think this is something that is extremely difficult for people in the infertility and pregnancy loss community to wrap their head around. I think that the word grateful is used in every other sentence, and that's wonderful because we are grateful. But motherhood after loss is so complicated because you're finally with your child, you're finally happy you're there, but you're still a mom and you're still dealing with all of the things that moms deal with. And I feel like it's totally acceptable to people for moms who easily had their children to complain about their children or to need that support or to need a community. But sometimes when people who really, really wanted their children in a different way complain, they're like, well, you wanted them. Mm-hmm. And and not even and maybe it's not even coming from outside sources. I think a lot of times it's internal. I think a lot of times we think, well, I can't complain because I wanted them or I can't have a hard mom day because I wanted them. And I mean, we also know a lot of people that don't have kids yet. So we're like, well, so-and-so doesn't have the kid yet that they want. And I have three, so I can't complain about my children ever. And that's just not true. And I feel like, you know, in the same day, I can have wonderful, special, perfect moments and also super hard. I want to go cry in a corner and take a minute moments. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that the biggest takeaway for me with motherhood after loss is that it's okay for it to be hard. It's okay to need support. It's okay to complain. It's okay for it to just be motherhood as it is. And you don't have to justify every single feeling that you have just because of what you went through before. And honestly, I think sometimes the weight of it can almost feel heavier because you have all of this grief and all of this trauma that you went through to get here. And so acknowledging that and processing it and also saying, okay, you know, I actually might need to get therapy or help or support now. Maybe I didn't get it before when I was actively trying to have a child, but I need it now. And I think just like, it's okay to need help even when you've already become a mother, you know? (laughs) And I think a lot of moms accept that. I mean, in general, I think that it's hard for moms to ask for help because we kind of want to do everything and we want to just like not have any help. And I'm also very controlling (laughs) with my kids, like not with them, but with other people with them. Like, I'm like, okay, this is the way things go. Like, I don't know. And I don't like to be that way all the time, but it's like, this is their schedule. This is when they sleep. This This is is their nap time. Yep. Like this is it. And I think just being able to accept help even if that help isn't exactly the way that you would do it, it's okay to sometimes let things go. I think we've all gone so long without having control that then we're like, these are my children. I'm going to make sure that everything like they're taken care of in the way that I think is the best. But it's like, I think especially now that I have 
my younger two are only a year apart. Like I have to let some of that go sometimes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So it's like, okay. And like my parents and my husband's parents are around. So we're lucky because we have that support of family that can help us. And like my sister's around and she's so helpful and just all of them, like, we're very grateful for the support we have, but sometimes I still don't want to ask people and I'm like, I can do it. But I think just asking for the support and getting that is okay. Like it's okay to still need help yeah. <laughs> just because you wanted your kids doesn't mean you don't need help. <laughs> right. Just because you wanted your kids and, and worked really hard to get them doesn't mean that sometimes they don't act crazy. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, you just want to go off and cry in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So Alex Cornsweet, I love chatting with you. Tell everyone mm-hmm. where we can find you online. Thank you so much. Well, I love chatting with you, Tara, too. And I love that we actually finally get to talk finally. more in person, too. So that's <laughs> one you know, kind of in person. Kind of, sort of. Digitally, yeah, sort feels of. Feels like it. Feels yeah. like in person. So I'm mainly on Instagram at Our Beautiful Surprise. And I just started TikTok, too. I do a little bit more mom there than my main support community is on Instagram. And then through there, you can find, you know, my website and everything else. But I would say the num- the first place to go is Instagram, because that's where I, you know, connect with people and talk to people. And I am someone, not everybody always assumes this, but I'm the only one on that account too. Like I don't have a team, you know, I'm just, it's just me. So if you send me a message. It's me. I always say to people too, Instagram and their DMs, sometimes they just don't like to show you everything. So email is always good too. So. I always say that too. I'm like, oh, things yeah. get lost in DMs. So I'm a they big do. fan of email. Well, I'll see, I always see emails, but there will literally be times when I open the DMs and it's like just a bunch of these things flood in from like months ago. And I'm like, why didn't I see this before? Yes. You know, so that's where I always feel bad if I miss things because I try to get back to everyone. But that's why email is always like the easiest for responding to. Yeah. And I love your website too, because you have a lot of wonderful resources on the website. Thank you. Yeah. So I have a lot of like information about surrogacy, but also just in general. Also, I would like to, I actually have something that I am very excited about that's on my website is I have a grant open for donations for specifically intended parents. So that's on my website as well. And so people can find that there. And, you know, over the next couple months, I'll be talking more about that. But yeah, I'm very excited about that. That's exciting. I want to learn more about that. That's very exciting. So be sure to go to our beautifulsurprise.com. Right? Yes. That's where I have correct. the information. Yes. Awesome. Alex, thank you so, so much for joining me today. We'll chat soon. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.